Well, good morning, Barrel Life Church. It's so good to see you guys at both of our locations, at the Grayson Campus and the Moorhead Campus. You know what today is? It's Super Bowl Sunday. So you know what that means? We got to talk about relationships. We're kicking off this brand new series today. I'm so excited about it called Loveology. If you're single, single again, dating, married, all in between, this series is going to be for you. And we were planning this series out called Loveology, the study of love, right? We've been thinking through this series and, and as I thought more about it, I wanted our boy, Pastor Trevor, he's our creative arts pastor, to come and kick this series off with the very first message. I'm telling you what, God's gonna use this great in your life. He shared with me what he wants to preach. It's in him, it's his story. I can't wait for him to share it with you. So would you do me a favor at both of our locations, would you put your hands together and welcome our boy, Pastor Trevor. Come on, would you put your hands together? Well, good morning, Better Life Church. Come on, how you guys doing? Uh, we just got to take a few short moments and welcome in our Better Life Grayson campus. Come on, make some noise for him. Shout out to the best campus pastor around, Pastor Zach. We love you there, Grayson. Hopefully you guys are having an amazing Sunday. But uh, as Pastor said, we're kicking off a relationship series today. Let's go. He's excited about that. We like to talk about relationships, it's fun. And so um, we're talking about uh, sex, relationships, dating, singleness, anything kind of in between that. What does the Bible say about that? What does God say about that? How does that apply to our lives today? And uh, I'm super honored to have the opportunity to uh, speak with you guys this morning. Uh, pastor Daniel's actually preaching in Corbin, Kentucky today. And uh, we have the best pastor in the world, do we not? Come on, he's amazing. We love him so much. And so make sure you're praying for him. We believe uh, God's going to do great things in Corbin with him down there. And so I get the opportunity to share with you guys this morning. And uh, like uh, Pastor Seven, I'm Trevor, I'm the creative pastor here at Better Life Church. And um, I get to work with our amazing worship team and creative team, production team, all those volunteers. And uh, there's a little room right across the wall over there where some people sit in this place we call video control. And they're the ones that are responsible for all the screens, all the, the stream that's going to grace and everything like that. So can you just give the biggest applause for those team members? Right. They serve every Sunday, and we're so thankful for what they do. So video control, you guys are amazing. Thanks for hanging out and serving us this morning. But um, my name is Trevor, like I was saying, and uh, I'm going to talk about singleness this morning, right? Oh boy, oh fun. That sounds so great. But um, hopefully if you're here this morning, maybe you're dating or you're married, hang in there because I promise today's message is going to apply to you as well. Um, I'm actually not single. I'm married. Hello. Yeah. Um, and so I'm married now. I'm going up on two years coming up uh, this summer. But I went through a season of singleness um, for a little bit. I'm going to kind of talk a little about my story through that. But I'm married to literally the best, most amazing woman in the world. Hallie's my wife. And we have a picture from our wedding. I'm going to throw up there. I'm married up, gentlemen. I'm married up. It's true. I know. I know. Um, but there is one more picture from the wedding I have to show because it's one of my favorite photos from our wedding. So it's not the next one up, right? Yes. Literally, I don't know who was more excited for our wedding, my wife or Pastor Daniel. Like, I don't know. It's a toss-up. But yeah, that picture is so good. But she is the best, and uh, she's amazing. She's hanging out here towards the front um, in service. She was hanging out with kids, serving in their last service. But um, I am married now, but I went through a time in my life where I, I was single and it felt like, I feel like this is every single person's story, right? Like everyone around me was getting like married or engaged or in a serious dating relationship. And it was just like, oh, like, right, like what's going on? 
And maybe you're here this morning and you've had one of those times in your life or you're in one of those times right now where you're single and you're walking through that area of life. Maybe you're single again. Um, I'm just going to share a little bit of my story, a little bit of the Bible and how I think it can apply to our lives. Now, um, pastor wanted me to, to preach on this subject and it's not to be like, hey, look at me or whatever. But fun fact, like fellas, if you're in the house, you're in fellas, like I did wait and you know what I mean by that, right? Like I did wait um, for marriage for all of those elements. If you get what I'm saying, I'm so glad I did. Um, also, the only girl I ever told uh, I love you to was my wife. And that's just a decision I made back in probably high school, freshman year, something like that. I don't know, for me, I just wanted, when I said that to someone, I wanted it to be the person that I genuinely like meant that towards that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so um, I have walked through this a little bit, right? I do, I do understand what it is to be. Now, some of you, you, you've been single for way more years than I have. And I want to say you are amazing and you are awesome and you don't hear this enough. And I hope today is just an amazing encouragement to you um, just to stay faithful where you are. And I believe God's going to bring that person for you. But today's message is just to help you in this season and time that you're in. But I want to go ahead and uh, give five myths of singles before I start, right? And the single people, if you're in the house this morning, you better be really loud when I say some of these because you're going to agree with them. So the first myth of singles is that they are immature, right? Any single people ever heard that before? Oh my goodness, right? It's so not true. It's completely not true. The reason people are singles because they're immature and they need to work on, you know, all this stuff. Yada, yada, yada. I, I know a lot of really immature married people, okay? I'm just going to say that. Like really immature married people, um, especially dating people. And so just because someone's single, especially later in life, that does not mean that they're immature. Most of the single people I know, especially later in life, are extremely mature people. Like they are ballers. They're amazing. Um, they're probably your boss. No, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> but, but they're awesome. And so the second myth of single Singleness is, uh, or singles is that they need to be fixed, right? I think sometimes as married people, we think it's our responsibility to fix everyone who's single and hook them up with somebody and play Cupid. But single people don't know to be, they don't need to be fixed, right? They just need somebody to like love on them, to care for them, to be a friend, to hang out with them. Just, you know what I'm saying? Like what we all need. So single people don't need to be fixed. Like I think sometimes uh, we think we have to do that, but kind of push that to the side, understand they're just like anybody else. They're just in a different season of life than you are right now. Third one is that they don't know how to have a good relationship, okay? This is a complete lie. It is not, it's not true. Just because someone's single doesn't mean they don't know how to have a good relationship. And what's funny is most of the people I know that are single actually know how to have a good relationship, and that's why they're not in a bad one, right? That's why they're single. It makes sense. And statistically speaking, guys, like, you know, divorce rates are around 50%, something like that. So even us married people don't really know how to have good relationships, okay? And so that's kind of part of the problem. That's what we're talking about a little bit today. Fourth one, man, this is the one that I used to get so much. This was the one I always heard, was that single people are too picky, right? Anybody got that one before? Oh, I know. Come on. Now, Jacob, he's our student, student pastor, and um, he was the best man in our wedding in his best man speech, he said the greatest quote of all time, right? He said, Trevor's not picky, he's focused. And I was like, let's, let's give up a love offering for that man, right? It was amazing. Like he said that and I was like, yes, that's so true. See, single people aren't picky. I think a lot of single people I know just really know what they're looking for. And so they know what they're going to say yes to, so they know what they need to say no to. And that's a principle that Pastor Daniel P. teaches us all the time, right? It's not that they're picky. It's not that they're too picky. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff we talk about. I think they're just really focused, and they know what they're looking for, and they don't want to settle for less. Which brings me to my last one, is that singles, they have too high of standards, right? Like, that's such a terrible thing to have high standards in life. I don't know where that comes from. But like, I'm, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a health nut-ish somewhat, you know? And so I think it's so funny how we rag on people for like having like high standards for different things. Like, oh, he eats healthy, let's make fun of him. I'm like, isn't that a good thing? I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand it, right? 
But sometimes single people get a bad rap that they have too high of standards or they're too picky. I don't think that's it at all. And if you're here this morning and you are single, I want to say if you hear that stuff, I'm sorry, right? Like, I'm so sorry you hear that stuff. I heard it too. And it's just so not true. That is not who you are. That has nothing to do with you. Singleness is not an identity, okay? It's a season of life, all right? And notice I keep saying season. Because the reality is the singleness is a lot more about a season of waiting on God than it really is about anything to do with like relationships. And that's something we can all relate to. So no matter if you're married in here, you're dating, you're single, you're a grandparent, you're in middle school, like I don't know where you are, but the reality is there's going to come a time in life when you have to learn to wait on God. And what do you do in that time? So the message this morning is not about giving you some, some kind of life hacks for how you can get married. That's not what it's about. And if you want to look up stuff like that, I'm sure you can. Like, it'll say, like, take a shower and, like, stuff like that. Whatever. I don't know, guys. Get a date, right? That, it's going to say something like that, whatever. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what do you do when you're waiting? What do you do in the meantime? Right? What do you do in your season of singleness and your season of waiting? Maybe you're here and you're waiting for, you know, a child to kind of come back in, in faith and join back to that relationship with Jesus they once had. Maybe you're waiting for um, a financial breakthrough in your life and, and you've, been, you've been budgeting and you've been trying to handle your finances in a godly way and you're, just, you're still not there yet and you're waiting for something to happen. Maybe you're waiting on that promotion at work. You're, you're waiting for that job offer. You're waiting for, I don't know, you're in college student waiting for like your, to get accepted into that school. I don't know where you are, but we all have to wait on God at times. And the reality is, is I think there's a way that we can wait. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3 verse 1 says, For everything there is a season. There's a time for every activity under the sun, right? For everything there's a season. Where's my fall people at? You guys are crazy people. Fall people in the house, anybody? Everybody's like, don't address me. I'm the pumpkin spice latte fanatic, right? Those are the people that love pumpkin spice lattes. Okay, my sister is one of these people. Um, I walked over to her house one day and she had four bags of pumpkin spice Starbucks coffee in her drawer. Like who drinks four bags of coffee at one moment of time, right? That is craziness. But everybody, everybody's their seasons of life. Some people are summer, some are winter, some are fall, some are spring. Everybody's kind of different. But your, your spiritual life is going to have seasons too, right? There's going to be these different seasons God's going to take you through. He's going to lead you through from one to the next. And so we're going to talk about what we do in the meantime. And I want to jump into a story about Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. It's in the seventh chapter. And it's about um, a widow who's now lost her only son. Her son has died. And Jesus enters into the scene. He actually brings this dead boy back to life. Now, this story really doesn't have anything to do with singleness, like technically speaking, okay? So technically speaking, this story is really this amazing illustration of the gospel. Now Jesus can step into our lives when we're, when we're kind of dead in our sin, right? And he can resurrect us out of that. It doesn't matter, matter how much baggage you have, what you've done, what you've gone through, what you've been through. Like Jesus walks up, Jesus makes like, right, dead things come alive. He makes dirty things clean. He doesn't like, he's not worried, he's not afraid of that, okay? And so he walks up to the coffin of the dead boy. He brings the boy back to, to life. And it's this amazing depiction of what God does in our lives by raising us out of our sin into life in Christ. But there's also an amazing illustration for how to handle your season of singleness in this story. And I was reading it one day and it just really jumped out to me. And that's what I want to share with you. So if you're ready to go, say, let's go. Here we go. He's loud. That's awesome. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. Everybody say Nain. A large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was the widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and the bears stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. We don't know what this guy said, but that was probably crazy to hear. I'm really, I don't know what he said, but whatever. So great fear swept over the crowd. They praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people 
today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. The first point, if you're taking notes, and I hope you do, is that there's a strength and a struggle to every season, right? There's a strength and a struggle to every season. And sometimes it's really hard to see the strength of the seasons we're in in life, but the reality is there's, there's almost always a strength and there's almost always a struggle. So it's a little bit of, little bit of background of this, this story in the Bible. This is a town's called Nain, right? We all just said that together. Now, Nain is only mentioned one time in the Bible, and it's this story right here. And Nain actually means beautiful. It represents beautiful. And so we see that Jesus is approaching a place called beautiful, but we see a scene that's not so beautiful, right? We see that there's this funeral procession coming out of Nain. Now, a funeral in this time period was a really, really big ordeal. There was all of these customs that they, they had to go through and like all these people's, people would show up. And so at this time period, they would take the dead and they would bury them outside of the city, past the city walls, right out in tombs. And that's where we find that this boy, they're taking him outside of the city, past the city walls to go out and bury him in tombs. And that makes sense just for health reasons and stuff like that and all that, right? But oftentimes they would even hire a professional mourner to come in with the family and mourn with the family and and the community would gather around and they would all walk out together, right? So there's this this massive crowd of, of sorrow, okay, essentially walking out of Nain, this place called Beautiful. And then Jesus, with this more so joyful crowd, is walking into Nain, this place called Beautiful. And he'd been performing miracles and and the news about Jesus is beginning to spread throughout the area, right? And, And both of these things are beginning to collide. Because the reality is, is you can actually be in a place of beauty, but also a place of burden. And a lot of times in life, there can be a, a place of beauty that you're in, but, but you're still stuck with, with the burden, right? You're in that, that in-between of the strength and the struggle, right? And I think any, any good books like this, any movie is like this. We have, we have scenes of a much larger story. We have chapters of a much larger story. And sometimes you're in a little bit of a, of a chapter that's not so great, but a beautiful narrative in the end. You're in the scene of a movie that's kind of a difficult, heavy scene, but the movie is so beautiful and great in the end. What do you do when the blessing and the burden collide? So we see Jesus, the son of God who's destined to die, is now heading toward the son of the widow who is destined to live. The joyful crowd of Jesus colliding with the mournful crowd of the widow. Strength and struggle, blessing and burden. Your season of singleness and your season of waiting is going to be a season of blessing and burden, of strength and struggle. So what do you do when you find yourself there in life? What do you do if you're in that season of waiting and you're trying to figure out what to do? I've got blessing and burden. I don't really know how this is all going to play out. What I want to ask you to do is simply find the strength of your season. Find the strength of the season you're in. Because yeah, there's a scene of sorrow, but there's also a scene of beauty approaching. And the two are beginning to collide into one. Are you possibly enduring a season of life that God actually meant for you to enjoy? Or we talk about this all the time here, like John 10, 10, that's our theme verse of, of a better life church, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but it says Jesus came so we can experience a real and better life, a, a better life than we could ever dream of. It's crazy, an abundant life. And I think the enemy wants to rob from you the strength of the season you're in. I think he wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you the strength of the season you're in if he can just get you fixated on the struggle of that time that you might be in right now. I usually show people this illustration like this, Jordan, if you'll if hit the lights for a second, Right? A lot of times in life, and this is where I found myself when I was single, um, I was so fixated on the struggle of the season that I was in. Now you're looking around, and you're like, God, it's just so dark in my life right now. 
Like, I don't see you. I don't know what you're doing. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Like, where's my spouse? Where's my, you know, where's my girlfriend? Where's there's anybody? You know what I'm saying? Like, give me a follower on Instagram. I don't know. But like, you're just like, you're over here and you're so fixated on the struggle. You're lonely and like, you don't know what to do. And like, you're, you're just trying to find ways to pass time. But you're just, ah, just, you feel weird, right? And, and you begin to just wander around in the struggle. And there was a moment where I remember I was at my, my house I used to live in. Kyle lived with me. And um, I walked out of my room. I was walking towards the, the living room of the house I used to live in. And I just said, I was like, God, you don't care about me. That's what popped out of my head. And I was like, oh gosh, can I say that, right? But pastor told me this a long time ago. I've never forgot it. He said, the more real you are with God, the more real God will be with you. And that moment I was like, whoa. Like, I, I instantly knew that wasn't true. I instantly knew it wasn't true that God didn't care about me. Now, there might have been an area of my life that wasn't lit up yet, but there definitely was another area of my life that was lit up. And what happened, I began to, to walk a little bit from the, air, the dark areas of my life, from the struggling areas of my life to the strength areas of my life. And I saw, wow, God was growing my leadership in a ministry. Like he had brought me on as, at a church I'd always dreamed of working at. Like it's crazy, it's a miracle we even have this church. All of us in this room should be so blown away and blessed the fact that this church is here in Moorhead, Kentucky, okay? And like, I was on staff at this church. Like I was watching friends who came out of Bible college that were like sitting basically in closets with nothing to do. And Pastor Daniel was like, here's a mic, go preach. And I'm like, ah! right? Like, I didn't know what was going on. It's crazy. Like God was blessing my finances and he was enabling me to like, to buy a house. And like, like that's nuts. I like bought a house coming out of, out of college and um, not like a big, nice house, obviously, but like, <laughs> so I bought something. And um, it was just really cool. He was, he was building up my finances, providing opportunities there. I came out of uh, college with so many student loan debts, right? I went to a private Christian university. So like, whoa, that's crazy. But God was making a way for me to, to pay off student loan debt. And he was building my leadership. He was building my ministry. He was building my finances. So God's light was in my life, but I wasn't looking at it. And it's not that God didn't care about my spouse to come. He cared so much about my spouse to come, right? But he cared more about something else in that specific moment of time. And I had to switch my perspective to find the strength of my season and say, whoa, 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 God, it's not that you don't care about that. It's not that you're not gonna light that area of my life up, but you're just here right now. And if you're here now, you'll probably go over there eventually too. Jordan, you can kick those back on. But for me, that's what I had to shift. I had to start finding the strength of my season and figure out a way to use that to my advantage. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs. It says, ants are creatures of little strength yet they store up their food in the summer. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer, right? Ants are tiny, like ants dead. I just stepped on, right? That, that, that's, they're, they're not very strong. However, they figured out this, this, this concept of storage. And the reality is that most oftentimes your success in life is not gonna come from your strength, but your storage, right? But because we can either see seasons of waiting and we can see seasons of singleness as an obstacle or an opportunity. We can either use this time to prepare ourselves or procrastinate. You can either work in the areas that God is working with him or you can simply waste them. And for me, I had to make a decision that I was going to use what God was building to go prepare for what he was bringing. And I remember I was talking with Pastor Daniel and Leanne one night. We do something called cookie brownies, right? That's when you're feeling bummed on staff. You go over there and have cookie brownies and they talk with you, right? And so I was over there and we're talking about relationships and stuff. And it was just one of those blah days. You know, if you're single, you're just kind of like, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the heaviness or just the, you just feel weird. And so uh, 
we were talking, and they were talking about how they've actually been praying for their, their oldest son. They've been praying for his spouse ever since he was like a little kid. One, that's amazing. Our pastors are awesome, right? How cool is that? Like, like they have been preparing for him before he could even prepare for himself. And through that, the verse that kind of just jumped out to me was this idea of like, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, right? And for me, I don't know why. That was just, it was important for me. And I was like, man, like, where my financial treasure is, my heart will be also. Okay, so God is blessing me kind of financially in this moment, but I, am, am I really using it to show God my heart's actually towards my spouse? So for me, and I'm not saying you, how you should do this or have to do this, but I actually started saving up for my wife's ring before we ever even like started talking or dating or anything, okay? And that was my way of taking a step of faith into the, the lit up areas of my life where God was working and say, God, I'm gonna take some storage from where you are now. I'm gonna toss some over there because I think you're going there down the road. And what's so cool is I had probably over half the money from my wife's ring saved up like before we even dated, right? That's just one, there's so many different ways you can actually do that to begin to use what God is building in your life for something else. See, it's this, this concept of practicing like a starter. If you may play sports, you get that illustration. You ever seen a guy that just come off the bench and they just like, they just destroy the game? It's that sixth man on the basketball team, right? That really is the, they're the missing piece that makes the team really what it is. But they figured out how to walk in, even though they're not in the starting lineup, but they practice like a starter every day. And when they step into the game, they are so prepared. Because we've all seen those guys that like they weren't starters and then they never practiced and they didn't really do anything. And then somebody gets hurt on the team and they throw them in the game and they're just terrible, right? And it's like, trade them, right? <laughs> Nobody likes that guy, right? It's our year, Cincinnati Reds, let's go. It's our year, okay. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in one of those times in life where you have to start learning, how do I practice like a starter in this season? The question I often ask myself is, am I becoming the person, the person I'm looking for is looking for? All right, don't miss that. I know that's a lot of words. Are you becoming the person, the person you're looking for is looking for? We focus so much on finding the right person that we often forget to become the right person. And what God is giving you is an opportunity to actually become the right person. So when God hands you that thing down the road, you're really, you're really able to enjoy it and experience it to the fullest. See, I really don't think that the whole divorce rates, 50%, all stuff like that, right? Like, I just don't think we were very good at being single and we just carry it with us into our marriages. And there's so much stuff over here we didn't really figure out and get ready. And, and you know what I'm saying? Like there's this huge opportunity we have, but we kind of miss it. And then we get married and now there's two people and we both maybe kind of missed some of that together. And now it's like, it's awkward and it's hard, right? But if you're single here today, what, how cool is that? That you have this ability to figure this stuff out that when you walk into your marriage one day, you guys can be so much better off than you could have been. It's not that you have to do all these things to get a spouse, okay? That's not what it's about. That's not what it is. It's, it's how to use the time that you have to build your future to come. All right, so what do your life disciplines look like? Are you really focusing on becoming the person you need to become? And honestly, every singleness sermon I've ever heard was that right there. Like that was it. That was the whole message, okay? And it's like, cool, that's great. That's awesome. We should, I get that. Let's do those things. Let's become our person. Let's use it as an opportunity. But what happens if you're doing all of those things and you're still single. Because that's where I found, I found myself. 
And it was like, eventually you're like, okay, I'm doing all these things. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I keep doing it. I still don't have found my spouse. I don't know. Like, uh, right? You're doing all this stuff. You're doing all this stuff. You're trying to become the right person. Like you're trying to like watch your, your, your spiritual life, your, your physical life, your emotional life, your financial life. Like, like everything, you've got check boxes on all of the like areas you could be preparing yourself. And then you look up and you're still going, but I'm still single. Or maybe it's a, an area of your life you're in and you're really doing everything you could be doing and you're saying, but God still hasn't come yet. I'm still waiting. What do you do when that happens? For me, I was, I was sitting in my house, the same one I was mentioning earlier, and I was on the couch one day. I was just feeling super, blah, like just heavy and a single and uh, you know what I'm saying, all that stuff. And I started binge listening to like relationship podcasts. That's a weird thing to say, but like, Right, I was just like listening to like relationship podcasts after the other from a pastor um, I was following at the time, and uh, a guy calls in, basically the same story as me, and it's like, this is crazy, right? He calls in, he's like, hey, I'm a young guy in ministry, da da da. Like, I'm, he's talking about he's doing all of these things, trying to prepare himself, working on himself. Like, I mean, just like to a T. And I'm like, yeah, that guy. Oh my gosh, did we just become best friends, right? And like, he's like saying all these things. He's going, 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 going. And then the pastor of the podcast, he kind of pauses after the guy tells the story a little bit. And he goes, what if you're doing everything you need to do? I'm like, okay. He says, what if God's not waiting on you, but God's waiting on them? And I went, whoa. Because what the enemy wants to lie to you to believe, if you're here and you're single or if you're in a season of waiting, well, that there's something wrong with you, Right? That's the lie so many of us believe, especially in our seasons of waiting and single. It's like, well, clearly there's something wrong with me and that's why I haven't found someone yet. But what if it's not about you? What if it's just about the seasons of life and God lining up those seasons in a way that those seasons can now come together? Because somebody might be in winter and someone might be in fall and someone might be in winter and someone else in summer. And it's like, okay, God has to align these seasons together eventually to get them where they can come to be one. And for me, that, that really genuinely was like my story. Like my wife actually came, became an intern on staff and like we eventually started dating and then before you know it, we get married. But God was, was arranging seasons together and I simply just had to stay faithful. But what happened, what was so cool was in that moment, my perspective began to flip a little bit and I go, whoa, there's not something wrong with me. Okay, I'm doing, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, I'm gonna stay over here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep focusing on the strength of my season. I'm going to keep preparing myself. I'm going to keep building myself. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And I just kept focusing on the strength of the season. But if you are there, the best advice I can give you is to simply trust God's timing. And I know that sounds so much like a Sunday school answer. And it's like, cop out. That's what I would have said if I was here in like a single sermon when I was single. I'd be like, cop out. Give me a real answer, Right? But you really do. You got, you got to trust God's timing. And, and it's so hard to do. I'm a pastor. It's so hard to trust God sometimes. Like it genuinely is hard to trust God. And there's moments where you want to be like, God, I trust you, but I don't feel like I trust you. So I need you to make sure that I trust you and trust. And I'm saying it a lot and I don't know, right? You get in those points and it's just, it's just difficult and it's hard. But what's so cool about the passage we read about Jesus in Luke 7 is the timing of Jesus. I, sometimes I think we miss the timing of Jesus because it's never like on our timing. Okay, he's just not on our timing. I don't know why, but he's not. And if you study the passage a little bit more, you find out that Nain, right, this place called Beautiful, was about 25 miles from Capernaum, which is, which is where Jesus was. Now, Capernaum is about a day's journey to Nain, okay? Now, at this time, they would bury their dead on the same day that they had died. So scholars believe that Jesus would have arrived into Nain, meets the funeral procession, sometime the afternoon the boy had died. 
But don't miss, he was a day's journey away. And unlike a lot of different stories in the gospels, no one told Jesus to come here. No one prompted him, say, hey, can you come heal this person? Hey, this is happening, this person's sick. Like we see those moments where that happens and Jesus goes and he heals people. No one told Jesus to come here. Name is only mentioned once in the entire Bible and it's this story. Like I genuinely, I don't really know why he went there. Like this is the only, this is the only story we have. The widow didn't call for him. A friend didn't call for him. He just simply shows up right before they get the boy into the tomb. And what that means is that Jesus was already on his way before he needed to be. And for some of you here this morning, that, that, that might be your story. Because for me, that was mine. I'm not saying it's everybody's story, but that was my story. Like I was looking around, I didn't know where Jesus was. Like, when are you gonna bring my spouse? When are you gonna bring somebody? Like, I don't understand this, I don't get it. But he was on his way the entire time setting it up, right? There's chapters in the much bigger book. There's scenes in the much bigger story. And I said to trust him. And now I can look back and be like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Thank you so much, like, right? Like I understand it and I see what I was doing and it was just, he was aligning seasons. Like I'm so glad, like I waited for the, my wife I had because she's the most amazing person ever. And I think that can be a lot of your stories as well. And I think a lot of people that are here in your season, your season of waiting or singleness, like Jesus is probably already on his way for being honest. It's just hard for us to hang in there until he gets there. I was trying to think, what does it look like to, to illustrate trust, right? That's so hard. Like it's, maybe it's too philosophical for me or something, but what does it look like to, to trust God? Kind of in an in a illustration or metaphor, right? And I came across this story by a guy named Charles Blondin. And he was a French tightroper uh, and like an acrobat. He toured the United States back in like the 1800s. And at one point in time, he, one of his big theatrical feats, maybe the one he's best known for, I would say, is he tightroped across Niagara Falls. And he did all sorts of different crazy feats with it. Like at one point in time, he did it blindfolded. Uh, he did it like sitting in it. He sat in a chair. Um, he did it on stilts. He actually like made an omelet or something crazy like that on the tightrope. Like just really weird nut stuff like that. And people from all over came to watch this guy tightrope across Niagara Falls, obviously. Like that was kind of the whole point. So there's a big crowd there. And the story goes that, that Blondin actually came out with a wheelbarrow one day. And he gets in, you know, he's, you know, obviously hyping up the crowd. Like, you believe I can do it? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they, you know, wanted to see him do it and stuff like that. He'd be doing these crazy feats. And he picks up the wheelbarrow and he starts, he starts walking across, right? Walking across the tightrope. And the story goes that he gets to the other side, though, where like some of the crowd is. And he goes, all right, who wants to jump in? And everybody, nobody's like, you good, man. You do you. You do you, boo-boo. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody's like, no. And I'd have been like, I'm good, man. You talk to some of that omelet. I'll eat over here. You do your thing. But I think it's the difference between like believing in God and trusting in God. And guys, I've, I've struggled with this so much, like so much, okay? Like pastors, we're not exempt from that because it's hard. It really is, it's hard to just trust God. He's okay, God, I'm just gonna sit in this thing. I'm just gonna sit down in it and let you carry me across this thing that I'm going through. Let you carry me across this thing I'm waiting on or this season in my life. And that's hard. But if you can somehow just, just sit down in it a little bit and say, you know what? I'm just gonna sit in this for a second and I'm gonna focus on the strength of the season I'm in. I'm gonna say, God, I, I, know, I know you care about that and I know eventually you're gonna get there. So I'm just gonna sit here with you and I'm not gonna waste my time, I'm gonna work my time. I'm not gonna procrastinate my time, I'm gonna prepare my time. God, I'm gonna use this so when I step into that time, I won't be one of the statistics. Right now, marriage is a quarter coin toss. 
Church, that's not acceptable. Single people here today, it's not acceptable. It's crazy. But if we can really focus on the strength, learn to trust them, hop in that thing, just enjoy life. That's what I want to tell single people all the time is, hey, trust God, enjoy life. Because the enemy wants to rob every bit of the strength of the season you're in from you. He wants to rob every bit of it from you. Don't let him do it. Trust him, hang on to him, even when it's hard. And it's okay to tell him that. It's okay to say, God, I don't know if I trust you right now. I wanna trust you. Just help me trust you more. Help me focus on the strength of the season I'm in. For me, there's a verse that I had to just keep telling myself over and over and over again when I was single. And some of you have been single so much longer than me. Some of you are single again, and you're amazing. You are awesome. You don't get told that enough. I wish people would tell you that more. You stay faithful. You do what you're doing. You're doing your thing. Keep doing it. Just keep trusting God to bring that person. Because Psalms 20, verse 21 says, an inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. An inheritance obtained too early in life, in the end, right? It's not a blessing. And that's not because there's something wrong with you and you're not ready for it. It might not even be that your spouse isn't ready for it. It's that the seasons have not been aligned yet for that inheritance to be given because marriage and relationships and people that are a gift, right? People are the only thing that'll live forever. How cool is it that God gives you one of those people? That's really cool. So just stay faithful, keep trusting him. Focus on the strength of the season you're in because Jesus just might be on the way. So I wanna go ahead, I'm gonna pray. And if you're here this morning and, and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, right? You've never jumped in the wheelbarrow of faith, right? If you wanna think of it like that. Around here at Life Church, we do this all the time. And I just wanna ask you to pray with me. And we're just gonna ask, ask God to come into your life, right? You can surrender your life to him. You can jump in that wheelbarrow for the first time. And then I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna pray for everybody that's single in a season of waiting. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you bring dead things back to life in our lives. God, and you can work good out of, out of really bad situations, we know, if we can just learn to trust you and hang on to that. And for everyone that's listening that wants to give their life to you right now, I said they would pray with me. Jesus, I believe you came from heaven to earth to live a life I could never live on my own. That you paved a better way to experience life. Right now, I wanna give my life to you. I wanna surrender my life to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life, lead my, my thoughts, my actions, my decisions, every aspect of my life. Help me to experience the better life that's found in you from here on out. And ask this in your name, in the name of Jesus, amen. If that was you this morning, I wanna encourage you. I'm gonna pray right now, again, one more time. And if that's you, go ahead and make your way out to the Next Steps area out there in the lobby. There's some amazing volunteers and our leaders and pastors are in there. They just wanna set you up for success on your journey with Jesus. So make sure you please go out there and, and say hi for a few moments. But for everybody else, let's pray one more time, right? And it's just if you're here and you're single or you're, you're in a season of waiting for whatever it may be in life, I just wanna pray for you guys, right? And I hope, I hope you walk out of here more encouraged than when you walked in. Don't let the enemy rob you of the joy God is giving you. Don't endure a season you could enjoy. Trust him, hop in that wheelbarrow and keep focusing on the strength of the season. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the fact that, that you are a God who works good out of bad situations. God, even though there might be a struggle we're going through, we can still find strength in you in the seasons that we are and help us to just learn to 
fix our eyes on the strengths of the seasons, on the many blessings that you've given us, God, because they're all around us. Help us experience them, God. Help us just soak every ounce of your goodness out of life. Don't let us miss the moments by focusing on the struggle. God, we pray right now, you would just build up every single person in a season of singleness, and a season of waiting. God, build them up with faith. God, fill them up with your joy. Give them your peace and send them out of here so much better than when they walked in. We thank you so much for the fact that for many of us, you're on the way and we just gotta trust you till we get there. We thank you for what you're going to do in advance. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. And we all say, amen. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.